Podcasts are another place where we've been starting to invest more money. And for us, it's a smart place to, to try to figure out how can we add value and not be interrupted to you, but do it in a way that, that makes sense. We've seen a lot of interesting data recently, strong brand health data that says actually audio can be a brand building medium. It's not just how you sound, what voice, how you show up in a meaningful way that people are going to want to let you in so that they do ask for you by name. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to the first episode of Project Listen, a joint production of WPP and iHeartMedia. Now, over the course of the next year, we'll be producing a podcast episode every single month where we invite a cast of stars to share innovation and investigate learnings in creative audio. But you're not here to hear me. You're here to hear from these amazing guests. I will introduce them here. You have obviously already heard from Tim, the CEO of Group M North America. Let's give him a round of applause up here. Leslie with my favorite jacket of the week so far with the chief creative officer of Ogilvy. Thanks for joining us. A real up and comer, somebody I think is going to make something of himself one day, Mr. Ryan Seacrest. And the chief brand officer of General Mills, Brad Hiranaga. All right. All right, so Tim, I'm going to start with you. I know that I actually have heard that the idea for this Project Listen came up through some conversations that you and Bob were having. And I was curious to hear from you, you know, why is rethinking audio a priority for you guys at this moment? Well, it starts with the, the kind of massive interest in it. It's really started with, uh, you know, the kind of the, the new formats that have really boomed in audio. So, you know, uh, just a few stats, if you don't mind, because I'm yep. a media guy. Love I like stats. stats. You know, we've seen a 2,500% growth in smart speaker adoption over the last two years. We've seen a 47% increase in podcast listening, and we've seen a 44% increase in music streaming. So all of that fresh new innovation has brought a lot of focus and attention back on to audio, but that's really built on top of a base mm -hmm. of broadcast radio, which is just phenomenally robust and strong. So that new audio behavior is not displacing, you know, broadcast radio. It's really building incrementality on top of it, where we see, you know, still, still uh, mainstream broadcast radio is the number one single reach vehicle uh, for adults in the United States at 93% weekly reach, bigger than any other medium. Yeah. So we thought the, the confluence of those things, it made sense for us to really zero in here. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm curious to hear from, from any of you, you know, what you think is the most exciting development happening right now in audio. Maybe Leslie will go to, uh, to you. It's gone from terrestrial radio to satellite and streaming and podcasts and, right. and now down to smart speakers that people are actually listening to the radio on in their homes now. So we're seeing audio is really becoming a, a bigger part of people's lives, actually, not smaller. And yeah. it's an observation that we're looking at, um, you know, brands, we've been putting a lot even as agencies on visual identity and how, how a brand is showing up visually around the world and mm -hmm. saying, you know, your visual language is so incredibly important and the brand book is really focused on the visual. And we're now adding alongside that the importance of, of how your brand is going to sound and how it's going to show up more than just um, like a mnemonic or, or a jingle of some sort, you know, mm -hmm. or tricking people into playing crunchy <laughs> potato chips when right. you're eating stale ones. But um, we're, we're seeing it much more as like, how is your brand going to show up? Where should it show up in the world when it's in an audio space? And how can we connect all those things for brands? And, and, and how are you experimenting with this, like in, in new approaches to audio right now? I, well, at Ogilvy, we have, uh, we started a new 
uh, practice called the Sonic Branding Practice, uh -huh. and we just we just partnered with with uh, Colgate in one of the first initiatives that we had to create. It was it was answering a problem that like any parent out there may recognize as as an issue is trying to get your kid to brush their teeth. Right. It's usually a soulless experience where <laughs> it's just like smearing toothpaste on the front of their mouth and then trying to cry and go to bed. But um, so we worked with them and had uh, um, some songwriters work with actual dentists to create optimal two minute songs that were in four different variations. And they had a little character with it, like the T-Rex or the monkey. And you would go in and the kid could prompt, I want to do brush with me. And it would play a perfect length song with that would have embedded little brushing techniques yeah and and they would use it but we found when we were doing that that kids um adults had had actually done all the coding for it so when the kids were doing the prompts when kids are learning how to how to brush their teeth they're obviously quite young so they don't say words very well so they were like tooth rex you know or whatever so we had to actually use ai to adapt to kids speak and right. make it up, be able to understand the things that they were when they would ask. Oh, but the good amazing. upside is um, we just launched it about a month ago. Over 90% of the kids who've been using this app ask if they can brush again, which is good news for Colgate because double the usage. They use me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just their parents smearing it on their face like yeah. you. I've never heard that approach before. I, I respect that. Yeah. Though. That's well, you, cool. just, you try not to. It just is a, is right. a natural result. Yeah, that's impressive. All right. So, Ryan, I've got to hear from you just on the fact that obviously... You've been voted, I think, 11 times the busiest man in Hollywood. I think it's 11 years running now with so many. I'm projects. exhausted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with so many projects in the works, yet you managed to do a daily radio show. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why you still choose to to do that and what that means for you? Well, the way my schedule works in the morning is uh, Kelly Ripa and I do a talk show live from New York from nine o'clock. And at 10.01, I go downstairs to a radio studio that we built, iHeart built underneath the TV set. And I have been going to a radio studio since I was 15 years old. So it is part of my DNA. Yeah. I think it, it allows me to stay up on things that are going on. It keeps you plugged in. There's a lot of autonomy in radio. Um, it's an unvarnished medium in a way. So there's a lot of authenticity to it. But there is no other platform that I have where I can create the intimacy with somebody that's a total stranger mm -hmm. um, and I've never met them. But when you do meet them, they feel like they've known you for a long time. You know, it's been interesting to see that happening we knew that on the podcast side, but obviously seeing it on the broadcast side as we've become part of uh, part of iHeart in the last several months. So explain why that feels different than other medium that are out there to be in the audio space, why that intimacy is there in, in a way that maybe you don't see everywhere. Well, I think part of it, you know, just, just by virtue of how we do the show. I mean, you're doing it in front of an audience. You're doing it on a beach here. This right. is not conventional. This is how we record all of our podcasts. Yeah, well, actually. good for yeah. you because iHeart is not doing that for me. Yeah. Uh, you're in a room with carpet on the walls. Right. You're talking to one person, two people. It really feels like you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. You're not performing on a big stage. You're not performing in front of an audience. And I think just that, um, you know, that atmosphere creates the opportunity to have an intimate uh, exchange with the audience. And then, of course, over time, you hope to build their loyalty and ultimately their trust. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that's the job that that, that, that I have build trust with the audience so that that trust can also be part of when we're talking about different products, they trust the products we're talking about on the air. It's actually pretty amazing for us to see that with some of our larger podcasts with uh, Chuck and Josh, who have host stuff you should know, which is the largest podcast in the history of the medium and seeing their live events that they do and people walking up to them. And 
you'd expect them to be more nervous as fans than they really are. Oh, no one's ever nervous to meet me. Because ever. they think you're there, your buddy, right? Yes. That's the idea, yeah. Yes, and they say you're much smaller in person, usually. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, I, when I was working on American Idol with, uh, with, with the judges, yeah. uh, one of the judges for a couple of years was Jennifer Lopez. And we would travel to different cities auditioning the contestants. And we would walk through the lobbies and people would say, oh, my gosh, Ryan, Jen, Ryan, take a picture of me and Jen. <laughs> and I was like, this is my place in the world and I'm comfortable with it. That's pretty amazing. I, but, but, but if I can accomplish that. Yeah. Get their camera and take a picture of them with the star. Then I'm doing my job well. That's unbelievable and totally speaks to that, the power of that medium. So, all right, Brad, you get to, uh, to, to answer this next question. Obviously, with General Mills, you have massive, massive brands from Cheerios, the Haagen-Dazs, Blue Buffalo, Pet Food across the board. And a business like this, you know, you are depending on mass uh, awareness of each of these products. But we're in a world where there's fragmented media. There's so many places that people are being bombarded with messages all the time. And I'm curious, in your role, how do you guys have to deal with this? How does audio play into this? Just how you guys approach this? Yeah, I think the last few years, our approach has really changed. I mean, we actually used to be fairly heavy invested into radio 10, 15 years ago. And then I think as video kind of exploded, more of our media shifted that way. I think with the fragmentation, though, the big thing that we're really thinking about is we're trying not to be interruptive and disruptive. I think that was the old way of thinking about things. And so getting back, it's interesting on Ryan's point around trying to have that one-to-one -one connection. We're really trying to find ways of solving problems with our brands, adding value with our brands. And so um, that's just a different way, I think, of, of approaching how we're trying to do brand building. Um, and so that looks different for Blue Buffalo as a pet food, or Lucky Charms as a, as a cereal. Um, but it gives us a different philosophy in the way that we have to think about where the brand comes to life. So going after mass reach vehicles and trying to blast stuff out there isn't, isn't philosophically as easy for us to do because we know that doesn't necessarily resonate. Um, as we move to one-to-one -one stuff though, that's where I think there's, there's really the relationship being built. And I loved your example on the, on the toothbrush too, because th there's the connection there that we, that we're looking and seeking for brands that are trying to be more authentic. And so radio, I think allows us to do that. Um, podcasts are another place where we've been started to invest more money. Um, and for us, it's a smart place to, to try to figure out how can we add value and not be interrupted to you, but do it in a way that that makes sense. What's your, uh, what's your guilty cereal of choice, your guilty pleasure? My, uh, my, wouldn't it be great if I said like frosted flakes, that's mm -hmm. not, that's usually not our cereal. Uh, no, my guilt, my favorite be one careful is for the recording this. I know it's <laughs> my, actually my favorite cereal is lucky charms. Lucky by far. charms yeah. are so what good. What kind of milk do you use? Uh, chocolate? No. Chocolate. <laughs> When you're trying to introduce products right now, when we're in a moment where we can just tell Alexa to refill our cabinets with whatever it is, I, I know it's a very different space than it was even five years ago, especially 10 years ago. Curious to hear from you guys as you think about messaging for each of your brands, how you try to, you know, try to, to not fight that, but how you deal with that world in which you can do that sort of thing. How many brands do you yeah. have? Uh, over 100. Yeah. Okay. So you don't have to brag about it, but yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Wow. 100 yeah. plus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, I think it, it, Alexa and, and the voice piece for us is I think on are we nervous about it? I think on one hand, yeah, because it, yeah. it definitely is a just a force of habit as people get used to it. And they'll say, I want cereal and leave it up to Alexa to put whatever cereal she wants into the shopping basket. So I think on yeah. one hand, we could say that's that's a little bit nerve wracking. On the other, if we're doing a good job and why I think it's more important to be building brands now um, and making products that people really want, it put, it raises the bar for us to actually deliver that to people so that they 
will call out, I want Cheerios or right. I want Nature Valley or I want YoPlay. So in a lot of ways, I think um, it just puts the onus on on, on brand building um, to be even more important. And we and we talk about that sometimes. Like what product or what brand would you call out if you were actually asking for something uh, with a voice thing? Would you call out cookies or would you call it Oreo? Mm-hmm. Would you call it cereal? Would you call it cinnamon toast crunch? And so if you're not calling if you're calling out the product and not the brand, then we have opportunity to, to strengthen it. Do you have those mint Oreos? No, we don't. No, I just threw out Oreos. You just like, said it. You keep mentioning know, other, brands. other brands. You're going to get us all Boss in trouble. Too. That's not yeah. super smart. But anyway. <laughs> all right. So, go I ahead. Yeah, please. That? Please. Because that is, that is such a big part of everybody has been enamored by. We know a lot about our audience. We, we, can, we, we know exactly what time of day you're going to be pulling that out, you know, to eat your cereal or whatnot. And that now is the time that you have to be creating that meaningful connection with people. And I think people we've been talking about audio is like this new frontier and and which is which is great because connected car is going to add a whole new place where people are not like as you're driving you're going to be able to serve them content that's relevant but you've got to show up and that's what we're doing in our in our sonic branding um area which is it's not just how you sound what voice how you show up in a meaningful way that people are going to want to let you in so that they do ask for you by name and we we've been talking about in a creative because creative is such an ephemeral thing such an ephemeral thing. And in our creative department, we'll have people who are, who are specialists in a discipline and are emerging tech, and we need to have them there. And then we have our creatives who are like curious and inspired, but we talk about they're specialists in the human OS. They're specialists in the user who's using all of those different um, platforms. And how do we connect all of those different platforms in a meaningful way where when you show up, in an audio space, which there's going to be more opportunity for that to be happening, how do you show up in a way that's going to make them say, I want Lucky Charms? Yeah. Please order Lucky Charms and not become just a commoditized effort. And that's where we are, are, are really excited to be seeing what we're going to be del- delivering yeah. on that. Yeah. So I was looking at uh, not too long ago, a study from Group M that was showing the predictions on spend in audio and across the board this year. And the predictions were that in 2019, we might actually see spend in radio specifically drop by a couple of percentage points, which was surprising to me because, again, as we've been talking about, people are listening to audio across the board more than ever before. And I was curious, you know, Tim, maybe if you could point to why you think this is and, and, and what this means for you guys as you think about investing in this space. Yeah, so those forecasts, which are historically, you know, very, uh, you know, very accurate, and I think yeah. they reflect um, a lot of the current uh, sentiment. I think to, to realize a change in those forecasts, we need a bit of an intervention. And I think in many ways, what we're trying to do here with our partnership is to create such an intervention. I think if we want to, if we want to change that trend, there are two things that we have to do. You know, the first thing we have to acknowledge is that the vast majority of advertising spend growth has been coming from eight or nine very big digital companies mm-hmm. that have a, a kind of mindset which is about uh, television into the digital ecosystem. That's their model. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's a mindset. When I talk about the big eight, we're talking about $26 billion of spend growth that's come out of Facebook, Google, Amazon, uh, IAC, Booking.com, Expedia, and a couple of others that make up that eight. So really driving the growth. So I think one of the things is we need to uh, convince those brands and those businesses about the power of audio in their business. When you think about the thing we were just talking about, about Alexa skills, I mean, the audio input, the audio UI is a big part of those businesses. So I think that's, that's an opportunity for us in the medium. 
I think the second thing, moving both those digital folks and getting back to the more traditional space, I do think there are two or three biases that we need to overcome that are getting in the way of, of our people really uh, doing as much with audio as they could or should. Um, you know, the first is a very strong historical bias toward sight, sound and motion. So when your average media planner does a campaign plan, they start with optimising what they call sight, sound and motion first, then they allocate into other channels. So it becomes the second or third or fourth thing you allocate money to after you've really got the TV and video plan down. But right. with the fragmentation around those, you know, around those video platforms and channels, I think it's an opportunity to rethink that. Who's to say, we understand 30-second television ads, but who's to say a, a two-second digital video with the sound off in the, in, the, in the stream is more powerful than audio? And so why do we need to think about it with that construct? We've got to really rethink the construct. I think the second thing bias we've got to overcome is the idea that audio is a retail medium. Uh, audio and radio is for, is for retail. And I think we've seen a lot of interesting data recently, strong brand health data that says actually audio can be a brand building medium. And then obviously our own experiences with podcasts talk you know, help us understand at a human level the power of audio as a storytelling medium. Yeah. So we've got to tap into that. I think the third, you know, which is maybe more tactical bias we've got to overcome is most media planners are millennials living in urban centres. So they're on subways, they're in Ubers, they understand streaming, but they don't understand the car and commuter culture and, the, and they don't have that same relationship with audio. So I think there's a little bit of this where it's a bit out of sight, out of mind for the people doing the planning on behalf of Brad's yeah. brand. So I think there's a real work we need to do on the audio literacy with just with media planners and clients so they can really start to tap into that. Yeah. I think if we overcome some of those things, I think there's a chance we could do something about those trend numbers that you talked about. Yeah. I wanted to ask one more question before we turn it out to the audience here. You mentioned podcasts. Both of you guys have. Just in terms of why you think it's a different space. I mean, obviously, you're still dealing with intimacy, that, that benefit of in intimacy like you would with personalities on air on broadcast radio. But what you're seeing and trying uh, in, the, in the podcast space, how does it feel different? And, and, and what are you looking to try there? Well, I think, I mean, the personality that's there and the topics that are there and the passion points are there. We try to build our brands around those things. And so I think it's smart for us to try to show up where people are actually spending so much time and they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're investing in that time. And it's a way for them. I think your point is right. When I'm commuting, when I'm doing something, I'm planning around those moments. And so our brands need to be there. I think we haven't done more there yet because it is so fragmented. And so we're trying to figure out how do we do it more selectively and with a lot of brands um, trying to plan that that specifically has kind of been what slowed us down a bit, mm -hmm. but there's tons of opportunity for that. Um, I think the other piece of this for us a little bit is, you know, I think creatively we've struggled with how to come to life in audio. Mm -hmm. You know, you know how to look at a, a spot or a video and evaluate, do I think that's good or I think that's powerful. Um, audio sometimes feels like it's the last thing that we do. So it's like, Oh, and then, and then do something for, for radio instead of actually really, figuring out how to creatively bring that to life. Right. And I love what you said about bringing up, you know, distinct memory cues or things on the sound side of it, because I think actually some of the marketers in the eighties, like had it down when they were bringing up mnemonics and laughter. We have the doughboy giggle. Like we don't really use that anymore. And why don't we, it's like such a powerful sound. And so there's things like that, that we're trying to bring back out of the DNA of the brands to put into audio in a much more creative way. And can I add, like, so even even with when you talk about terrestrial radio through the app, you could listen to iHeartRadio through the app and and be anywhere. I think people still see it as something that you're listening to in your car. You could be listening in your house. I could be out in the world. Once I'm listening on my phone, you guys know what we're buying. I, you know where I am. I'm at Target every Saturday at 1130 yelling at my child. So 
uh, calmly. Uh, no, not yelling, but you know, like it will it will be able to. I know. Thanks. It's not hard to miss Father's Day every year for Can, you guys. It's really not a pain point at all. Um, but um, it, it's it's something that I think we are not even seeing that we can know. If you have that that doughboy giggle at the right time when you know they're at home and if they're listening to it and and, and they will listen to it around the house and uh, on their smart speaker, if we can make the things more relevant to them in a creative, meaningful, inviting way, instead of just blaring out. And I think right now we've been dealing with, we don't really know where everybody is. So we create ads that are, that are not within context. We, we don't know what you're doing. So we're saying what we want you to hear and trying to do it in a creative way. Now we know where, and we can get more of an idea of where you are in the time of day and be much more relevant and inventive and, and inviting in that space. There's one thing I just wanted to, I'm going to read some of these notes, but we talk about the, the power of audio and the power of the connection. And, and bear with me, this is a bit serious uh, because of the story, but last week we were on the air and we were doing our show and this, this young man called in and he was almost in tears when he was speaking to me. And his story was, his name was Josiah. And he told me live on the air, he said, I'm, I'm calling you because I don't have anyone else in my life that I can call and talk to. And it was extremely vulnerable and extremely brave. And it all unfolded without a delay. And he said, um, Josiah said he always knew he was gay since he was a little kid. But he said he stayed in the closet because he grew up in a religious home. And both his mom and his dad were pastors. He attended Christian private schools from kindergarten to 12th grade. In 2013, he lost his dad in a car accident. Now, he's telling me all of this on the air. In 2016, his older brother committed suicide. All his mom has is him and his sister, so he kept denying who he was because he didn't want to let her down, and he knew how she would react. So he's breaking down in tears to me, a total stranger, because he didn't have anyone else to talk to. He spent years in denial. Um, It put him into a total spiral. He joined the military right out of high school. He was deployed in Iraq. He became an EMT, type 1 firefighter, returned to the U.S. He was then diagnosed with lung cancer. He finally came out to his mother, and now his mom and the people at church don't speak to him. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know who to speak to. He didn't know who to turn to. He has to go to chemo. Listeners heard this story and called in, hundreds of them called in, and they said, I will take Josiah to the hospital. I will help him. I will be there by his side. These are total strangers. And you think about the power of audio and the intimacy of audio. For him to have the courage to call up and tell that story and trust us to, to put that on the air, it was one of the more remarkable moments. And this is a guy that's been through so much. But for days, people were calling, and now strangers are driving him to chemo. Now he's met counselors. He's got experts talking to him, helping make it through it. So that was one of those very, very, very special moments that you just, when you show up to work, you never think something like that's going to happen. But it, it, it does prove the power of the connection that you can have through the voice. Well, and that, yeah, that's a fantastic story. You know, and you described him as talking to a complete stranger. But again, it gets back to the point you made earlier that you're not a complete stranger to him. You may not have known him, but that's that's unbelievable. That's such a great story. So we all thought that we invented communities 
when digital showed up. Yeah. Because it allowed people to start talking to each other. Radio and people listening to you, you have a community out there. And that was one moment where everybody was able to communicate with each other because you became that central point. And that is a real open space now where we're going with audio that may allow people to be able to start connecting to each other because it was almost the original community, but it was a one way. Everybody's passively only taking it in and now you're able to connect them in that way. And then your community will soon to be able to connect Hopefully, as we have, you know, all, all of the devices that are connecting in a meaningful way and, and hopefully brands will be able to take part in that to an authentic way. But that's much more curated to you as, as somebody that everybody feels like they know. It's a real humbling and amazing thing that you mm-hmm. have. Yeah, there's this idea of, of influencers. And, and it's not to downplay the idea of digital influencers or anything like that, but just seeing the strength of these relationships and hearing somebody day in and day out, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through you know, a broadcast radio show, whatever it may be, just understanding the power of that influence when you have access to these people reading your messages. Maybe a, a quick question before we turn it out here, if anybody does have any questions, is just curious to hear how messaging and the way advertisers um, communicate their message through audio has changed over the past five, 10 years. I mean, I got to hear you do a couple of the skills reads and explanations of how to use certain products um, on air. And it felt so different than the the kind of ads of old that we might have thought about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, just to hear a little bit about how that's changed and what advertisers are able to do now in this space that maybe we didn't even think to do for some reason, you know, in decades past. I know, you know, when we work with brands, the best moment is that moment where I get to sit down with the brands and hear from them what they're trying to accomplish before we start reading spots on the air. You know, what is a win? What is the goal? What, 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 do you, what are you trying to do with this product? Um, because, you know, we, we think through the lens of our audience every single day and how can we best communicate it using the right key terms, keywords, brand names. Um, but how can we best articulate that in an endorsement, in a spot, so that it sounds authentic and genuine and live. So for me, it's always best to, to meet with a brand, meet with a client, and then have that brand and client give you a little bit of freedom in the messaging. Um, we do get lots of copy that says, read verbatim, don't change a word, which is fine. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But, but I feel like I can do a better job when I understand what we're trying to accomplish. And, and we can put it into the words of our, you know, of our show. Yeah. We certainly find that in terms of, you know, the freedom for our podcasters to be able to work with a set of, you know, clear talking points. Here are things that you need to make sure your audience understands, but to put it in the voice of the But not too rigid. Yeah, Yeah. to put it in the voice of, because each podcast is a little different. You know, we have fantastic hosts that utilize humor a little bit more, others that may be a bit more serious, but their audience comes to them for their voice and falls in love with them for that reason. And so with those brands that truly seem to get that, it seems to work really, really effectively. So question back there. Hi, this question is for Brad. So you were talking about some of the work that you did with Colgate, which I loved. Um, from a General Mills perspective, is there a, an example or something that you're doing in sound or something that you could tell us about that you're even testing or excited about and kind of which brand and why? Yeah, I think um, I mentioned the Doughboy before because it's a kind of a really re- recent relevant example for us. And so a lot of the testing that we've done, and it's funny because we, I think previous to this, you know, five, 10 years ago, we would have pretty rigid, like these are the these are the reasons to believe that we want to hit in this 15 seconds or this 30 seconds when we're anticipating that this person's on the way to the grocery store. But 
I think what we've tried to do now is pull that back and say, okay, like if we're really going to build the brand and if people are going to be interacting with it, how do we use the cues? And so the, the Doughboy giggle for us is something that we've actually started to utilize more in sound. And we actually did a comparative um, piece of creative using that to one that didn't have the branded piece of it at all. And, and it was very similar in terms of what the messaging was. And we found that the, the one where we're actually using sound mnemonics and things that are really resonant with the brand uh, performed about 35 to 40% higher in terms of message recall. So for us, again, it's back, I think it is about like rethinking about how to really bring the brands to life in audio. Um, we're trying to use other things. Cheerios is a brand about positivity. And so we think about how does even the sound around positivity, what's it sound like, what's it feel like? What are the types of people that should be reading it to their audiences in a way that can bring that to life? Um, so it is much more contextual as well. Um, and, I, and I do like the, the fact is that, that the, you guys know your audiences so well. We want to connect with them. So there does have to be a trust of what you guys are going to be able to how to deliver it if we're going to be entering those environments. And so I think that flexibility is super important too. I do, especially with brands like yours, I do love hear you talking about that, that power of sound because... One of the ways we see this illustrated is just walking down the grocery store aisle of cereals, for example. My wife and I can point left and right and think about the number of jingles that you know from so many of those cereals. And in a world where, of course, TV consumption has changed so much that many kids aren't seeing that sort of thing, if, they're, you know, if it's Netflix or Amazon or whatever it may be, that they almost look at us like we're crazy, like we've just made up a song about some, you know, whatever it is, some cereal. And so it's pretty cool to see that idea of kind of bringing that back. It's, it's pretty neat. So, all right, well, I think we are out of time here, but I do want to thank you guys one more time for being here. These are wonderful guests. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank, thank you, guys you very so much. much. Thank, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Project Listen. We're back now from Cannes, but I just keep thinking about so many of the topics we discussed on the beach. Beyond laughing at Leslie's comments on getting her kids to brush her teeth, I love the creative thinking from her team and at Colgate. I, of course, appreciated Brad letting us know how the Pillsbury Doughboy is alive and well, and Ryan's story, I mean, he had the whole audience right there with him. Hearing how his listeners rallied around this guy's story was just incredible to listen to. And then having Tim help us understand why all of this matters and why audio matters so much right now was just fantastic. Overall, incredible conversation, and we're going to be bringing you more just like this all season long on the Project Listen podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, happy listening.